0: all right so I dune, dune pod dune pod dune. dune pod so dune for those of you who've been living under a rock or don't know it's based on a frank herbert's 1965 novel titled dune as well that became a pretty infamous sci-fi series the original series spans six books uh plus he went back and did six more prequels there's, there's been a lot of other marketing material that's come out with the books so i know there's there's been uh, video games, tons of prequel books. His son, Frank Herbert's son, has written several books into the canon as well. Um, they're incredibly influential from all the way back in the 60s, having shaped a lot of like modern sci-fi. I know they've been a huge inspiration for stuff like everything from Star Wars to Warhammer to Star Trek. Um, the kind of well, a little bit more grim Game of Thrones-like take on sci-fi it was very revolutionary for its time. So, uh, a movie adaptation of these is definitely was very exciting for me as someone who's read the books, especially with the people who were behind the helm of this latest release.
1: Yeah, there's a big mythology around Dune and how unadaptable it is. Yeah. <laughs> because, because um, there seems to be a lot of good directors that have faltered faltered in that in that category, especially David Lynch. His Dune movie adapted the whole book. Not very good, in my opinion. Uh, and Not then, very um, good. The same guy, Podorovsky he has a whole documentary and mythology around him, seeing how great his movie would have been. But, yeah,
0: I mean, I think it did a pretty good job, though.
1: He yeah, dude's kind of record.
0: been – it's been kind of the black cat of – it's out there. It seems like something that's very tempting to adapt into film. But like you said, even a lot of these great names, obviously David Lynch the most predominantly and famously – it's it's fallen short of what people have seen as the potential. So there was a lot of hype riding into this recent release uh, yeah. that maybe they were going to be the first yeah. ones to do it. I think they I think they came pretty close. <laughs> it's by especially, far the worst movie too. <laughs> like it's not even close. This is the worst
1: movie.
2: I think giving into the hype was just Villeneuve doing like modern sci-fi to its like highest, and like most artful extent, especially with the uh, Blade Runner sequel, which a lot <laughs> of people <laughs> seem to love, but didn't do very well commercially. It's just the the kind of trying to make it more like high art rather than just a uh, fun shoot guy movie.
0: Yeah, because if you watch the old Dune, it's uh it's, it's pretty damn goofy. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, you know, the <laughs> costume designs are it's it's ambitious and it's it's cool and they've got some real creative stuff in it, but it is just really goofy when you watch. It has not aged very well. This is this feels like the opposite side of the spectrum. It's a lot cleaner and like you said, more high art. It feels like they're going for. anything I think they achieved that really well.
2: Yeah. And I mean, not to mention Dune by itself, the source material. It very it to me reading the book, like it felt very dialogue heavy. It felt very like uh inner thoughts and like political motivations, that type of sh- that type of stuff, like very heavy into that and not just like Star Wars where it's good guys versus bad guys.
1: Yeah, the, the yeah. one thing about this movie is very interesting is that the original Dune movie started with like a face kind of like floating. The universe, and it was like a big narration, kind of explaining the whole universe. But well, this one, it kind of um, doesn't have any narration whatsoever, and very little dialogue. And they kept it kept yeah,
2: that's one thing I like. If uh, jumping into the movie, I really like how short the exposition was. Uh, the, Zendaya's character Chani gives a little introduction into the the planet Arrakis and the spice and whatnot, and then like yeah, and it's just straight into it, where like.
1: It's, the it's lynch not. One it's not to say. It's not to say they don't use the uh, audio ver- uh, verse like part of the movie, because it is like loud.
0: It is very. <laughs>
1: really loud.
0: I think so, it's an uh, interesting. Like it's a good time to bring up that me and Grady have read the the Dune book, but the first and second uh, in installment, and that this movie only covers the first half of the first book, whereas Kerwin is uh, Kerwin. You haven't read the the books at all, no, but right? I've heard you guys talk about it. So okay, yeah, I feel like that's good <laughs> I background that's just, information I now. <laughs> Because the the biggest thing I was scared of going into this movie was because it's so dense, the books. I was afraid if you hadn't read the books that you were going to have no idea what the hell was going on. So I wanted to ask you, Kerwin, from the beginning, did you feel like they gave you enough information where you at least understood what was happening?
1: Yeah, I definitely understood. And the thing is, I went with my dad and my brother and my brother didn't see, he didn't know anything about Dune. He didn't know any of the lore, anything whatsoever. My dad actually read the books beforehand, so... He was the one going in truly blind. I kind of knew what was going on sort of just from cultural osmosis, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it followed pretty well. I mean, like I said, they would like show you visually and then they would actually tell you like scene after what was actually happening in case you like didn't like you forgot, you know, so it was it was pretty straightforward, which I think would be a problem if like, you know, you haven't read the book before. And I mean, it translated very well.
0: My opinion. It yeah. Flows. There was some stuff they didn't touch on totally from the book, but it's so long they can't do most of that. But I think they like they took the approach of show don't tell for a lot of stuff, which I like. Yeah. especially with like the shields. Um, like did you get oh, the whole slow moving to penetrate the shield, slow so cool. <laughs> the shield Yo, right? Yeah, slow slowly penetrate the shield. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I uh, know that that's a little bit weird, like a concept-wise, because it just yeah. it's you know, it's a plot device, justifies them fighting with the you yeah. know, close combat throughout the whole movie, but I didn't know coming out of this like if you didn't read the books would you understand like why aren't they using guns why don't they use like lasers or something like that but i think they did a decent job showing that even with the i remember there's a scene where they have there's bombs going off and they show when oh, yeah, they, they drop country, they slow yeah. down right before they hit something, so they can go through i thought that was that was really well done it kind of you could piece it all together in your mind which is cool
1: yeah oh uh, yeah
2: and like not to skip too far ahead in the movie but jason momoa has like that crazy ass fight scene and you can just see him slow down like right mm-hmm. before the, that that shit was so cool
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah definitely i think they by keeping true to the book in a lot of those it made for some really creative action scenes especially which i'll we'll talk about later when we get there in the movie but i think that was one of the best benefits of sticking so close to the book um yeah, i think you yeah, should so, uh, start from the beginning right yeah if you want to go back to yeah, the opening definitely. like we were saying there's not much exposition you kind of just go straight to paul on uh caledon with the yeah, uh, like a atreides homeworld yeah, meets yeah. us there in like uh, House of Trades Homeworld.
1: And the first, well, one of the first scenes after he wakes up, he like goes in and sits on the dinner table and like talks to his mom. And we get to see the voice showcase for the first time, which I really liked how they did the voice.
2: I loved how they did it, especially I, I only watched like half of Lynch's movie. But the one thing I remember from that movie is I hated how they did the voice in that
0: movie. Yeah, it's really goofy. It, it was
2: really goofy and unimmersive in this. like Especially the first time he does it where he says, you could see his mouth moving. And then the words come a few seconds later. That was like really nicely done. In my how
1: why they do it in the Dave uh, Mitchell uh, movie?
2: I think no, it was she- just like really off pitch and like it just sounded so removed from
0: It's really everything. harsh on your ears in the David yeah. Lynch movie. It, it, it's, I guess that's kind of supposed to sound violent, but it, it, I don't think it came off nearly as good as this. The newest iteration, this was fantastic when it went off. My, my one complaint though, because I'm glad you brought this up that they use the voice this early in like one of the first scenes. So in the book, they don't use the voice directly until almost halfway through the first act where his mother uses it on um one of the Atreides uh like military personnel there when they're in an argument her and Howitt, who is uh their their mentor, like their yeah I want to get to that and um definitely... it's supposed it's kind of like this big reveal in the book because you don't know about it for the first like two hundred pages and then she uses it on Howitt, and you're like what the hell just happened but in the movie they chose to display that in the first scene so I had a little bit mixed feelings on that but I think it was done well and it gave them the opportunity to do some other things like with the reverend mother using the voice as well so yeah. i actually liked the decision on that part even yeah, i think it yeah. showcased how cool paul was and the way they did it was like
1: it wasn't like a, it was like a trance almost like he kind of like zipped his mom kind of like zipped through time and then
0: she's like oh i gave you the water and then she was like out oh, of the trance like that yeah Which i think it was play. good to put it at the beginning too in a movie setting just to when you're in the exposition to establish that, so we don't have to do it later. So I think that was actually yeah. a positive change I was and, thinking from yeah. the book. Yeah. And also, a lot of cool
1: things that I talked to my dad about that aren't in the book was like the world building around the treaties. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows you, like, there's a background that they were like kind of like matadors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and then dude, the bull references so cool. everywhere. And then, like, um, I
1: really like that. And then um, they're also supposed to be, I think it's like a mix of like matador with them because his dad was like a
0: bullfighter, I guess.
1: Yep. And then and then also them kind of being like Scottish
0: Highlanders. They have like bagpipes.
1: Remember that scene? Yeah, June's got this yeah. real
0: cool mix of cultures. I think they did it in the opening acts when they're still on Caledon. Um, mm. And they've got, uh, you're seeing like the Atreides castle and their hangers and stuff. They did a really good job putting in a lot of like the book references, like the bullhead, the pictures of his grandpa. Those have like a lot of significance in the book. And it was really cool because if you've read it, you kind of, oh, that's that's really cool. They're showing some homage to that, the statue of the bull. It even showed them packing it up when they go to Arrakis, like how important all those family tropes are to them. I think that was really good. I thought all the scenes on Kaladin did a really good job establishing the household, even like the soldiers who, you know, you don't get much time with in the book. I think they looked really cool. Like the loyalty on display there, especially when like the uh, Bene Gesserit show up there and they're taking the change order from the emperor's people. I thought that was really, really impressive, that scene.
1: So after the beginning scene, after he uses the voice,
0: What's next? Well, they have the emperors, so it's not totally fleshed out in the book, but they have the scene where it's like the emperor's envoy shows up. Um, Remember, and they're bringing them, they're reading them off the treaty that they're to take Arrakis over. Um, It's the big procession where there's all the soldiers there and everybody's on display in like dress uniform. And uh, the guy comes out and he has his father signed with his ring. Yeah. I thought that scene yeah. was really cool. That was the first like big grandiose moment with a lot of people. The sound design, like you said, it was is loud, it's bold, it's it's in your face, but it was it was really cool. I thought that was impressive. That was like the first wow moment when it kind of zooms out and you see like the ship, all the soldiers are kind of rank and file on display there with his father. I thought that was they kind of started amping it up there a little bit visually. I thought it was really cool.
2: I thought that scene, some of the people from the uh the emperor, the imperium or whatever. <laughs> I thought that had some of the best character design in the movie too i don't know if you guys are yes. looking too closely they were like uh, it's going to be really hard to explain this in an audio format but the guy had like these flanges around his ears and i saw someone say mm. that that could be like one of the guild navigators
0: yeah, uh, yeah. like
2: like they had helmets completely covering their mm-hmm. faces like it could be like filled with spice
1: and whatnot. yeah there was like an orange haze around their. Yeah. Really
0: their face.
2: i thought that was some of the coolest character design in the movie
1: yeah they kind of and dropped down on them
0: I was going to bring up, too, that this is actually the only time in the entire movie, assuming those are the guildsmen, which I think is right, that you see the guild. They're, they were barely in this movie at all. There's some yeah. mention of them, but I think that was the only time you see them when they're covered in the orange helmets, uh, even though they're really important. But uh, I guess maybe that was the idea. You don't want to get too much into that and waste your time there. More um, for you part see the two. Highliners that they drive their big ships. You see those a couple times in the movie, but they didn't really get into the like anatomy of the guild too much. What did you think about that?
2: Um, it seemed like, and this is something I want to touch on for the, the general first half of the movie. It seems like they did skip a lot of the space politics and setting up every single character, too, because that would just be so much to set up. Like, you don't see the emperor, they don't mention the emperor's daughters, like,
1: yeah. they kind of just
2: mention his family. And um, so, yeah, it seems like they kind of they condensed that and maybe are leaving it for part two when it, when it might be more important.
0: Yeah, because I know some of the most memorable scenes when people think of David Lynch's Dune, um, like the scene with the Guild Navigator, I know it's probably the most memorable scene for most people in the movie when it shows him kind of in his tank and he's all grotesque and giant. And originally that's not in the first Dune book at all. You never actually see it at all. Navigator. So this was a little bit more of a true interpretation of the book, but I didn't no, know. I, Do you preferred think I-, that.
2: I, I actually preferred it sticking more to just Paul's perspective because for the most yeah. part, the book is Paul's perspective. It doesn't cut away to the emperor discussing things or, you you know what I mean? Like how the Lynch movies seem to have done.
0: I guess building off like Paul's perspective going forward, the next two major scenes in the movie, you have the discussion with Paul and his father at their grandfather's grave. And then Mm -hmm. you have the visit of the Reverend Mother. And I thought those were really good. One thing I was really worried about in this movie was in the books, Paul kind of has a tendency to feel not relatable in my opinion, just because he's very, he's the nature of his character is extremely powerful. And sometimes it's hard to, not saying every protagonist has to be relatable, but he's so, I mean, his abilities are so strange and so unrelatable that sometimes it's hard for you to put yourself there or put it in, your, in his shoes or humanize with him. I think these two scenes, especially the one with his father when they visited his grandpa's grave, did a really good job of humanizing Paul. That was one of the biggest things I was worried about, and I'm glad to say I think they did a great job with it.
1: Yeah, it was a really good scene. And yeah. that scene, he kind of, he's like, I don't I don't want to leave. This sounds like... <laughs> It's okay, son. Pat him on the back, and then they go on. And then you kind of figure out that after scene after that, the was it the Gamjabar scene?
0: When yeah, the Gamjabar. Scene mm-hmm. the sandbox,
1: you kind of figure out there's other things at play other than the House of Atreides is a very small faction in this bigger universe. Or mm-hmm. like the, the, the um, was it the Bene Gesserits? Yeah, the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, they just come out in the middle of the night and basically kind of kidnap Paul, basically, and his mother. And they test him by putting his hand in the box, and I think that's one of the best things in the movie, where he
0: has his hand in the box, and the um, was it the queen, the, the leader? Yeah, so she's uh, like the reverend mother. She's basically the head of the uh, Bene Gesserit. Yeah, and they're kind of testing him because he wasn't supposed to happen. Because
1: from my knowledge, all the Bene Gesserits are supposed to be females.
0: Yes, they are all supposed to be in them. the
1: bloodline, and you kind of get kind of um, when he's talking to his mother after the scene, Paul passes the scene with flying colors and you kind of see towards the end of the scene where he's actually like having, it's kind of like this duel where she uses the voice power, brings him over, calls his mom out. And he's like, why why are you here? And then mm-hmm. he he puts his hand in the box. So, and the Reverend mother says something to the effect of like he's testing him. So to see if he still has his animal influences because he's, he's such a powerful person mm-hmm. and I guess by the end of the scene she figures out that he's like he might be the messiah
0: yeah i think they did a yeah. really good job in this scene they mirrored the book dialogue like almost to a T because they talk about when she's there uh like the bene Jezre. they distinguish between like animals and humans like people who live off their impulses versus like humans who you know you can control yourself and i think you hit the nail on the head there like with the with great power like they can't afford to have someone who's going to act impulsively That scene was fantastic. Like when they had the Reverend Mother use the voice, that was my favorite use of the voice in the movie where she's like Neil and it just flings Paul across the room because she's the most powerful like psycher of sorts in their order. I think they did a great, like she was scary. Like she commanded a presence in every scene she was in, which is kind of how I imagined her.
1: And Paul was like, how dare you use the voice on me?
0: Yeah, and kind of speaking to what you guys were saying, with uh, the Atreides are a small cog. Like I think it was a really good description of like the Vinnages, but they show up in the middle of the night, come into their castle, tell mm-hmm. like the lord's chief concubine to get the hell out and take her son and test him by penalty of death. You're kind of like, okay, these are the, these are the people who actually run run shit in the Imperium, yeah. pretty much. Not even the great yeah, job and not even the Emperor, because uh, he, she talks about when
1: uh, at the end she's kind of like she kind of goes out and talks to uh, Paul's mother mm-hmm. and. She's like, this is like an a thousand year plan. Like, yeah. you're just, you're just kind of like a blip in this, our thousand mm-hmm. year plan of like crossbreeding and stuff. You kind of yeah. get to, yeah, you kind of get the, the feeling that like he, the, their part, they're kind of like being puppeted. The whole universe is being puppeted mm-hmm. by these like Bene Gesserits. And he says, she says it's to make a greater being that can see like the past and the future. So you can bring us to, like a higher consciousness. Mm-hmm
0: yeah oh definitely
2: yeah and so in the book they go more into that so if i'm gonna quickly explain it i would say that the the reason they're all female is because they can basically see into the past and they're affected by the um like all of their ancestors in their bloodline can all communicate and like speak through them and whatnot and so they want to have a male because they can't the way they work they can like hack their body basically and they can go into their dna and like rearrange their cells and shit like that and so only the, the thing is can. they can only affect the um, the female chromosome the y chromosome i think hmm. they can only go through that bloodline back so one day in the future they're cross so they'll have a male who will be able to go through the female and the male side of the families <laughs>
0: And see if through you get all those far memories. enough in the books there gets to like really crazy justification of all this like that's what but, i don't think they'll ever but, do in a But movie. Joe, you know what that sounds
1: like right what it's, it sounds like the curse of the founding titan and the renunciation of war
0: i i mean a little <laughs> bit with the built into the dna stuff i guess yeah. it's not it's not the worst comparison yeah not a, yeah, little, none a of
1: dimension it's like yeah that's
0: pretty that's pretty funny <laughs> Yeah, so they want somebody who can... They call it, like, seeing into the place that they can't, sort of. They use that term. Yeah, because like, when they look
2: in, they see, like, they just pure darkness.
0: Basically. Yeah, they,
1: they see... Yeah, they talk about how they need to have a mind powerful enough to see into the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And that Paul was so supposed this to have
1: either.
0: Yeah. his so mother was, Paul not meant to was have
2: supposed to be a something. girl, mm-hmm. but Leto wanted a son. He wanted an heir, and i guess the 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 idea is that jessica like actually loved leto because Mm -hmm. that's the thing they kind of try to show this but leto is like such a lovable duke and like his people are the most loyal to him he doesn't see people as replaceable the way that uh like the harkonnens do yeah and so that's a huge part of leto's character reading the book leto was actually my favorite character like up until you know he dies
0: (laughs) and um you you might see I think they're probably gonna do it I won't get into it but in part two you'll see at the Bene Gesserit like uh you know having kids with people doesn't doesn't mean much to them they're they're willing to go to pretty far extents to make sure certain crossbreeding bloodlines happen whereas they don't expect like Jessica Paul's mother to actually be in love with Leto she, she's just there to yeah. Have a everything
2: is done tactically to produce their their mm-hmm. Um But anyways, to keep going.
1: Yeah, she's definitely um, a hand, uh, like extension of power from the um, the emperor. Basically,
2: I do want oh, to touch that's... on Paul's
0: visions. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna go in the same place as you. Go I ahead. mean, like on paper,
1: yeah, on paper. But they have their own little kind of thing they want to do.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, they're they're a bit separated. from, And they'll get more into this in Part 2, which is kind of cool, but you'll get into that. The Emperor, it's a hard job in the sense you he has to manage so many different powerful things with the guild, too, as much of a separate entity as the Vene Gesserit. So I hope they maybe dive into that side a little bit more in Part 2. But that wasn't necessarily the business of Part 1 to do, but I think it was they set the framework for it really well.
1: Yeah, so we have the girl bosses the <laughs> Atreides, and now we have Arrakis.
2: Yep.
0: What did yeah, y'all so... think?
2: Yeah, what do we think?
0: What did y'all think of at the beginning? This is the last thing I want to touch on in sort of the exhibition section. What did y'all think of Duncan Idaho being much more like him and Paul are much more portrayed as like bros in this you movie know what? You know what? Are in the book? I have a soft spot for Jason Bourne. Any every role
1: he plays he's just like he's just like the lovable like dumb guy like I remember, I remember yeah watching, he killed like, it I, I imagine watching like Aquaman and I was like this whole movie is so bad but Aquaman's Aquaman <laughs> Aquaman's wearing boots and jeans and as a Poseidon he's so cool
2: yeah I I did like how they because reading the book it didn't seem like Duncan Idaho was the most significant character because he was always out doing shit when you're yeah in Paul. and so yeah. I did like how they how they made him bros and I like he was the most charismatic character in the whole oh, movie.
0: he was irradiated.
2: He comes on the screen and he puts a smile on your face. He fills you up with warmth, bro. That's that's the <laughs> Momoa effect.
0: He's warmth, bro. It really is. <laughs> I think it helped humanize Paul a lot more too. I think that was one of the best things they did in part one, was just have Jason Momoa be there as Duncan yeah, Idaho, and I mean, it to have Paul have a best. More of a regular dude.
1: Yeah, and before they go on Arrakis, um, House of Trades has now has now control of Arrakis. Uh, Harken was it the Baron Harkonnen or Yeah, Harkonnen's. Yeah, the Harkonnen's. They left. They stood there for eighty years, and they're they're taking over by order of Emperor. And before that, Paul's training with um, General Thanos. General oh, Halleck? Ron-
0: Thanos. Yeah, Halleck. Yeah, 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 General yeah. Thanos. <laughs>
1: Whoa.
2: Yeah, so that training scene was really cool. I think we already touched on the shields, right?
0: Yeah, that kind of I think it served the purpose of introducing Halleck and covering the shield thing. That's very important for a movie when you want to show the action. And yeah, I think very again, important
2: for this movie.
0: Yeah. helps humanize Paul too. And it shows how good Paul is at like at fighting. Like he's yeah. not just
1: like he's not just like a just a, like a doll to be like he's not just an heir to just be an heir. Mm-hmm. He can actually like hold his own and actually like fight pretty well yeah definitely all so, right, so he arrives at Arrakis down. yeah and then he, he goes down he sees Duncan Duncan was part of the um, advanced group to kind of have this recovery, yeah the moment they situation. land
2: they're all walking in like in like parade or ceremony and, yeah, the and then Paul sees Duncan he's like Duncan
1: and then you get a really like, weird thing where like the locals start like calling in the Messiah in their own Fremen language right yeah you
0: have a whole
1: procession the of them yeah there's a whole and
0: there
2: kind of a lot, it's kind of skipped over in this film he mentions like oh it's just the harkonnens like it's how they used to control the place like mandatory attendance but they kind of and i think they this more in the book they kind of want to like push aside the the fremen religion whereas mm. like it ends up being so crucial to paul yeah. and jessica's <laughs> safety later on <laughs> In the so book, what it's guys- a lot more of a mystery, like the, uh, the Fremen religion. And Duncan is like out there trying to figure it out, if I recall correctly.
0: What did y'all think of like the visual introduction of Arrakis? Like when they first go to in the big city, and how they portrayed the planet? Because that's such a huge part of where we're going to be for this movie and presumably the next. Did you guys like the way they set it up? Did you like the set of Arrakhan, the big city? Did you, was it what you were imagining? Not so much. What do you guys think?
1: Well, it's not a book guy, I don't really know, but I thought it was pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah, like the whole kind of like the Fremen being kind of like Middle Eastern, like Bedouin, kind of like nomadic peoples mm-hmm. with like the blue eyes. It was very, very like visually striking. I really liked it, so. Um, uh,
2: to touch on, this is one of my, this is one of my kind of complaints. Uh, the sand dunes, beautiful. The the rocky uh, textures when they're like, when they're going through the hills later in the movie. That's so cool. The city design, when I took a step back and I was like, okay, it's like the desert city. They need this design for protection, like <laughs> sure. But it's kind of more like uh, that modernist Denny Villeneuve Blade Runner 2049 like style. And that kind of disappointed me. You know what I mean? The modern brutalist architecture. For, you know what I'm saying like
0: yeah I'm glad you touched on this because I was thinking the same thing the way I know Arakan is supposed to be one of the smaller not smaller but it's the second biggest city on Arrakis and that the actual they didn't mention this but the actual Hark- Harkonnen capital they didn't use because they thought it'd be too trapped uh I was this may sound weird but I was it as a little bit bigger yeah me too yeah. like it,
1: it's kind of small but then you realize like the majority of the population lives out yeah habitable desert you're like oh there's only like a small city where for people to actually live in like a mm-hmm. set place. Yeah,
2: it's just all the off-worlders. Off-world but um yeah, I just I for some reason and maybe this is just me being like current day, I pictured it more of a middle eastern city, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it was
0: I like you said a open little streets,
2: everything around. was just covered and it was just kind of it kind of boring to look well, at. I
1: think I think it did okay cuz I guess from later on in the movie, you kind of figure out that like the Fremen people are like very practical people. They don't deal in like politics and everything. And then that, mm-hmm. that kind of goes on when they meet the Fremen leader. He kind of just like looks around, comes in with his like his um worm dagger, worm tooth <laughs> dagger. And he comes in, he's like starts grunting a little bit and then like spits. And then like <laughs> he's like, Oh, that's very respectable that you don't want to like uh kill all of us and colonize us. And then he's just like, anyway, I need to leave, and then
0: goes. I think that's a good I segue kind of into the next place. Yeah. Mm,
2: the casting for Stillgar is phenomenal. I mean, yeah, he, another one of the show stealers of this movie. He's it's, a Javier Bardem, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. That dude yeah, is the, the,
1: the part where he's like, he like, he like welcomes him into his thing, and there's all his advisors, mm-hmm. and there's a leader of House of Trades and he like spits. And then you realize that it's not, like, a sign of disrespect. It's a sign of,
0: like, respect
1: because he's getting I like his how moisture. they showed that. He's spending, yeah. his, he's
0: spending his moisture, yeah. So what did you guys th- – see, this was weird. So in the theater I was in, that was kind of played off for laughs. Like, most of the theater kind of chuckled at that. It was, no, it was funny, yeah. It was kind of and funny.
1: And then but- – I-
0: yeah, I just never really, reading the books, you don't envision that as that, like, funny, but it was kind of, I thought it was kind of creative in the sense they did play it off as a little humorous, even though it's, like, really deadly serious, the water to the Freeman it's culture. It's a very
2: tense moment in the books, if I yeah. remember, when he spits at the Duke. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah and you see, like, the House of Atreides doesn't necessarily want to continue kind of, like, the the type of rule that, like, the...
2: Uh, the had, Arganist had. Yeah.
1: yeah. They want to be a, lit, a bit more... Uh, they want to play a different card. They want to be friends with the Fremen because they didn't realize Yeah, and that was a big
2: thing are. in the book. Um, Leto rules by like compassion, almost, whereas mm-hmm. the Harkonnens ruled by like fear, oppression. Yeah, and Desmoa
1: so says like he's like, "There's some of like the best fighters. They fight like devils." I said, "That's really important." I think the
0: like the introduction of the Fremen through a uh, Mape's the the housemaid that Jessica meets. And then Stilgar showing up to talk to Duke. I think that was done pretty well with the characterization there. I, I think, again, I thought Stilgar, fantastic. Javier Burnham is always great, but I thought he, this was like a role. He was like, go for this role. He was awesome. Oh, and for I sure. think they did a pretty decent job showing, and this is kind of like we talked about. It's a little different book-wise, but I think for the movie it was good, that the Fremen are really good fighters, just from Jason Momoa going out there and being with them. In the book, you don't even really know how good the Fremen are until Arakan gets attacked. And mm-hmm. I think it's Halleck. He sees them fight and is like, holy shit. Like, Yeah, he sees them. They're, they're I, I loved how in this movie they like,
2: would just burst from the sand. That was just such yeah. a cool visual. But in the book, it's like Halleck sees that and he's like, holy shit. Like two fremen just killed 10 Sardukar. Yeah. Uh, so yeah.
0: I guess before we get into the, the big uh, action sections of the movie next, I want to know, what did you guys think of the Harkonnens? The design, their home planet when they go to Getty Prime, the Baron. What, what do you guys think of the aesthetic of them? Because it was very unique, very different from what they've done in past iterations of Dune. For the most part, I thought they looked
2: sick. I thought um, his Mentat, which they don't mention Mentats very much in the film, but yeah, uh, Piter, he mm-hmm. looked so fucking cool. He was like the deuce from Utapau in Star Wars 3, the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he had movie. the tattoos like, and all that. yeah, that worry. vibe, dude. Uh, the one thing is the Baron, his... Um, like flotation system mm-hmm. it wasn't really he kind of just the, like there's that one scene where he's like sitting and all of a sudden he's levitating <laughs> and it's yeah, my, bro- the, my
1: brother I, thought he had like really long legs like 20 foot that's <laughs> like,
2: sophie watched it with me she
0: was like is he like 10 feet tall and i was like no he's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be levitating like it's just it's it funny a little know, too too cool. the same thing to me I got, he was like is this am i missing something <laughs> like is this like a giant like, <laughs> it's like oh, damn no, I'm kind of flying around no, we need him on you need you need him on the celtics you need a good center yeah, we could use them. <laughs> <He's Yeah. prominent. laughs> just drop it
1: into the room. Yeah. And a couple yeah. other things, like before the big attack, you kind of figure out there's a lot of like humanizing scenes beforehand. Um, one of them was like when Paul's like kind of like patrolling the castle and he sees like all the date trees. It's like, oh, I didn't know they're native. It's like brackets. He's like, oh, they're not. It takes up to like what? Water for 20 people a day? It yeah. Like 100 people a day could be having water, but these trees are like sacred. It's like, oh, why don't you just kill them? So it kind of shows like that Paul is a bit,
0: like a pragmatist. A, he's, yeah, he's a pragmatist
1: and he cares.
2: Yeah, mentioned in the book and the thing about giving the, the people like, did he mention it's like to give them hope? Like they see the trees as like,
1: hope mm-hmm. or
2: yeah, no, it was more just I, a religious thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the in the book, they completely this wasn't too important. It just kind of happened in the book. There was like a greenhouse room that Jessica yeah. discovers, like uh, like like the greenhouse from Moon in black ops that's what i pictured and like yeah. and like they said that that just that took so much water and i think she had a similar conversation of like well why don't we get rid of it yeah. and so i i like that i think a lot of the dialogue in this movie was like might as well have been ripped out straight out of the book um yeah and, yeah, and before we like get to status. the attack
1: yeah but yeah it was a big for the Harkin. yeah we need to talk about the first setting of the worm i think that was fantastic
0: yeah, oh, when they go into oh, the first uh, yeah. section, yeah, where they yeah, go it, out to the crawler. Yeah, it's like, that scene does, like,
1: a couple things. It, like, it shows that, like, the leader of House of Trade is actually a good guy. It saves mm-hmm. the people on the thing, where, like, the what was it, the ecologist for the um, mm-hmm. Imperial uh, Crown is kind of like, oh, you're gonna save them? Really? It's only twenty-one mm-hmm. people. And then it also showcases that, like, it was kind of like a setup. Like, they gave him broken equipment, and yeah. really meeting their mm-hmm. spice quota. So and that part is really cool because it shows you how like inhospitable the desert is. Like if you, even if you walk the wrong way, you don't do the proper sand walk, you're going you're going to get marked by a worm.
0: Yeah, and I think it <laughs> yeah,
1: showed I thought,
2: um, a really cool thing in, in the book, I don't remember reading that they actually went into the sand. I read it more as like uh, they airlifted the dudes out. Mm-hmm. But so I liked in the film Paul touches the sand and he gets his first like overwhelming hit of the spice. Mm -hmm. And he starts having the visions at the same time as everything else happening, because that's in the book, that's an important thing. Sometimes when he gets overwhelmed by uh, spice and his prescience or just seeing the visions, like he has a hard time telling if it's the current time or -hmm. the future or the past. And I think touching on the visions again, he's had a couple by now. He he mainly sees Chani and he saw um, Duncan Idaho die. But it's important, like, how in this film, his visions are not always accurate.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think they did a really good job on touching on that, where, like, he sees things that could happen. Now, is this when he sees Chani kill him?
0: He, I'm trying to think. I see oh, the visions kind of blur together at the different parts. Yeah, it's really <laughs> intense. he almost can't walk when it first happens to him. I remember because it's and so gets, intense. Yeah, yeah, and it's
2: because Chani stabs him in his vision, mm-hmm. and he can't tell like what, what time it is him. if it's real. It, and he's on his knees and fucking what's his name <laughs> Thanos dude? Gurney Halleck <laughs> is like let's Alec, go. Yeah, like, yeah, and then the the worm. I loved it. I thought the worm was gonna like jump out of i don't know why watching the movie i kept expecting a scene where the worm like completely erupts from the ground yeah i did really like how it just opened its mouth like a sarlacc pit and sucked everything in that was that was so cool
0: yeah what did y'all think of uh keys the planet ecologist oh i
1: thought she was pretty good yeah i thought
0: she
2: was i thought she did a really good good job. job i think this movie did like 10 out of 10 with the casting i like how they diversified because i mean you read doom it's like i i think the lynch movie was like all white people if uh, mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong but like yeah, for, and for, pretty much it, yeah. Like, yeah of course the, the atreides are supposed to be like colonizers and so it, it does a pretty good job of showing like like they're colonizing like paul stands out in a group of fremen like very much so yeah and so i i do really like that the casting of the movie was immaculately done and um yeah, yeah, and
1: they, they introduced the um, the the, uh, the still suits, mm-hmm. and that Paul, was super too. Yeah, they're all wearing it, and Paul like wears it the right way, and they all just like, How oh, you know that, How <laughs> do you know that. <laughs> oh no, I that's part it. of the,
2: the part like, of their mythos is know. that uh, their Messiah will
1: know their ways as if
2: they he was born there, own. yeah, yeah, as if he was like a natural. So, so that was important.
1: Yeah, and then so you like you cuts it cuts to like after that you kind of realize that it's not going so well. And then the college says, protect your family. And you're like, okay, something's going to go down. And I think,
2: so this is a thing in the book where like the way that Herbert uh, writes his books is like, yeah, Paul's the main character, mainly focuses on Paul, but you get a little bit of other characters' thoughts. You get Mm -hmm. a little bit of omniscience. So Kynes in this whole sequence with Leto going to save the people, Kynes knows that Leto's been set up and that they're all going to get killed but uh in the book it's a dude so he starts feeling kind of bad like oh this guy this is a respectable duke like yeah. he's nothing like baron harkonnen like he could help me because Kynes' ultimate goal is to make arrakis like a green planet mm-hmm. and in the book it kind of shows that Kynes starts to see that in leto like oh this guy might have been able to help me
0: He's probably the most willing person to do it. The most willing in the Imperium, there. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
2: mm-hmm.
0: then he's yeah. like,
2: oh, this dude's going to die. Like, And that's why later when they get attacked, that's a big reason Kainz helps
0: them. Oh, yeah, I think that's the main one because she thinks mm-hmm. he's the only people. Because the other houses in the Imperium aren't aren't exactly portrayed as the nicest people. They're very uh, cutthroat, and it's kind of a rat race to the top. It's portrayed yeah. as they don't see yeah. much of
2: And them. the Harkonnens especially, they're just portrayed as greedy and gluttonous and I think they did a really good job with that. So before we you get know to attack- like you
1: no, know, like it really shows like because you're kind of like, why do they want to take out House of Trades? Are they that like powerful or something? And then you kind of realize like towards the when after that scene when like they kind of uh the Jesuits come to the Baron Arconan, he's like, oh yeah, like it's fine. We can like it's but they're basically plotting against them. So you just don't kill the boy and the mother because they're part <clears> of <throat> bandages order or whatever and then they kind of go to the imperium and then you realize oh like they're they're pulling up all their stops to basically wipe out house atreides
0: and that's what i wanted to talk about this is my favorite scene in the movie when they go yeah. to uh uh Sagundus, the home world oh, so- yeah 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 that was my favorite scene in this that entire was movie. cool that no, was like, insane like it opens and it's like mongolian throat singing. Yeah, the and dude they, who's doing the prayer up top.
1: Yeah, and they're being, contr- he's being kind of like controlled by this Mongolian throat singing. And then there's like these people like crucified upside down. And they're getting, yeah, and blood. they're getting
0: like washed in blood. Yeah, like they got free, people going around giving yeah. them armor. Like they it's like pre war ritual. Yeah. And they, it was like, super
1: cool. And so they, and they mentioned, um, that House of Trade is a very formidable house. And they even mentioned, um, the general and Duncan Idaho. It's like these people. Mm-hmm. They're no slobs. Like, they can't
0: they yeah. can fight. That's why they bring in the Imperium and they're like, oh yeah, we can beat them. <laughs> yeah. in, the books, in the books, they talk a lot about that. Yeah. So the um, the, the Sardaukar? Am I saying that right? <laughs> is it yeah, Sardaukar?
2: Their planet is like hell. It's supposed yeah. to be. They're under constant like, torturous conditions and that's why they're some of the best fighters and that's a good parallel. I think Leto is the one who explains this in the book to the to the Fremen, the desert power, because they also live their whole existence in hell. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. that's what makes them such good fighters. But yeah, it's cool that they showed uh, they were basically torturing each other on the Sardauk's Sartacar- yeah. planet.
0: Because yeah. they mentioned that the Sardauk's planet, like House Corino, who's been the emperors for like 3,000 years, it used to be a prison planet that they own. And <clears throat> that the kids who just grew up there, like, because oh, it's so bad, everybody who gets out of there is like a monster. And so that it's they like make Australian australia guys yeah
2: it's exactly like australia <laughs> you know pretty much space australia
1: <laughs> space australia all
2: right yeah, so, so this like... is my this is where i'm going to get into the movies misses um as a book reader literally i was so enthralled by the space politics and meeting all the characters in the book like when they first get to Arrakis, and they're they're in their um, I think the book calls it a castle. I don't know what you would call it in yeah, the movie. Like or... Kind of just a brutalist whatever. <laughs> um, so much happens and like the, the movie they barely touch on Yue, which I which I mean it's not too important, but for the betrayal, they don't mention the traitor at all. Like they don't know that there's a traitor when in the book when they first touch down on Arrakis, they know that there's a traitor, and it kind of sets up this whole everyone's suspicious of everyone. Well,
1: you kind of think it through it's important. like important. hunter drone right when paul yeah a little bit yeah yeah but in terms of like there's a a guy stuck in the wall he's been apparently
0: like i said the movie he's been sitting there for like weeks just like in the Mm -hmm. wall curled up one (laughs) thing they didn't touch too much on is like they do talk about the fanaticism in the books of like the houses people do suicide attacks like it's no problem uh dudes are like more than willing to die to kill other people in their houses like that's just the normal so even though it seems like crazy for the Harkonnens to box a guy into a wall where he's going to die just to maybe <laughs> hit someone. I mean, they mentioned in the book one time that like uh, the Atreides have like a mass suicide attack on um, a spice refinery somewhere oh, yeah. world just to mess with the Harkonnens. So like it, it is really brutal, the fighting yeah. between each other. But Very I get yeah. like with... With this and with Yua, they just the movies already three hours. they yeah. don't for the much pacing, they had to cut it. that out. Yeah, it definitely I think says...
2: one thing that's important that they cut out is just the character of for Hawat and the the Mintat yeah. in general. They kind of skipped over that. But one important thing is that Hawat deeply, deeply suspected Jessica to have been the traitor before anything happened because they knew there was a traitor among them. Mm-hmm. So Hawat always thought it was Jessica and it's and it becomes relevant because he shares that idea with um Gurney Halleck, who is Thanos. Um, and they kind of suspect Jessica. And it's interesting that only Paul and Jessica made it out alive.
0: And um, Hawa, is that Stephen McKinley's character? The, the yeah, older he was, gentleman with the yeah. he had, like the dots in his ears? If mm-hmm. you didn't know, and I don't the, know if they mentioned him by name. I
2: th- They might have called him by name, but they didn't call him a mint hat or any of that stuff. He they was sidelined,
0: show- but unfortunately yeah, for sideline. the time, it's... Uh, I they didn't have the time. To I know. I wish. That. I wish
2: like they could have just gone up and made the finale of the movie, the betrayal. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I but you know that part of the we book can't man. have
0: four Dune movies to cover one. When Leto
2: died, I like I put down the book for like two days. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like when they got out of the out of the action, I put down the book for like two days. Um, and they also skipped one of the most famous scenes in the book, the big dinner scene where they have all the families of Arrakis come and it's a big political. Yeah like like say one thing mean another and Mm. it makes a lot of sense why that's not in the movie that's like 50 pages Mm -hmm. of the book though Mm um and so the betrayal um ua or later wakes up in the middle of the night to shout out meeps lying dead or like gasping for air and he's like what happened here he can't call security his comms are down and ua uh
0: gets him with the dart a Dart in his neck yeah
2: and it like comes up to his shield it goes like really slowly through i thought that was pretty cool and um so Yue explains that they have his wife who in the book was a bene jesserit they yeah. don't they don't touch on that yeah. she was a bene jesserit in the book but um and then he's like i have to get her back but you're not going to die in vain like when you die i'm going to replace your tooth and you bite down on it and you can Blow out the gas and kill the Baron Harkonnen too, because yeah, UA hates the Baron Harkonnen so much that's why it's one of the big reasons they don't suspect him as the traitor in the book. And so I remember reading that on the edge of my seat, (laughs) reading that. (laughs) I mean, like,
0: yeah. Well, they talk about too because UA was trained in like the Imperium schools. He's supposed to be like impossible to crack. Like he's he is built to be a doctor where he's the last person who will betray you, purely neutral. They didn't quite capture that again. I think it's because of time. So yeah, they didn't just
2: didn't establish that hard character. As it I should mean, have. He does get thrown away. Like he does one thing and he dies. Yeah. Yeah, but,
1: it, I liked how a big thing, a big difference about Doom as opposed to like other sci-fi is that there's no robots, no AI.
0: Because
1: the yeah, so I guess, robots yeah. should we discuss they also didn't that, a touch on bit.
0: that at all? No, they didn't like, mention that.
1: Yeah. No, but I don't think they need to because it's just like we're building it. It's a visual spectacle sign. But it's cool if you, like, know about it that, like, a lot of the doc, you kind of, like, figure out just visually a lot of the doctors, are basically, like, like, mm-hmm. the doctor, like, UA, he's basically just touching Paul.
0: He's like, yeah, you're good. Like- <laughs> <laughs> and the technology was cool, though, because they kind of integrated it, like, even, even like the hunter drone, which you're like, oh, it's AI. No, it's driven by a guy. Like, yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. makes decisions yeah, for itself, yeah. which was cool. So what did you guys think of with all the technology and whatnot, the actual big I guess the biggest set piece of the film, the big attack, where the Harlanders come amazing. back, they, fuck really up sho- in. Yeah, they really start kidnapping this- people, they're killing guys. Yeah, yeah. it was it really cool showcase
1: and- chaos and the like. House of Atreides, they can kick ass, man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that one scene where like they're, there's like a, probably like a group of twenty House of Atreides people. They're kind of, on like, the staircase. Yeah, they have one with spears, one with swords, and they mm-hmm. have this cool chat. They're like Atreides,
0: Atreides! Yeah, and they're fighting and all then, the guys on the stairs. And, and really then the Baron's,
1: Baron's troops. And in front of them and they're just murking them. Like there's none, none of them are dying. And then the Pyrene comes in, and then that's when they start dying. So yeah, they start really fucking them up. It showcases that like House Atreides is actually like really powerful. Like they were actually. I think that really was really a good fighting. scene. What you're describing there,
2: it showed there's levels show... to
0: this shit kind of. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like the Aaron <clears throat> people kind of suck, bro.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there was the um the Virgin Harkonnen army, the Chad Atreides army, and then the yeah. bad to would <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> pull up and kill everyone.
1: Yeah, and then Jason Momoa comes back. It's like, oh no, everyone's like, this is like a like the shield went down, and like, oh, they 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 kind of go on, and um, Josh Brolin's character, you're like running out into the thing, and they meet the people there when they're being invaded, and then Jason Momoa comes in. He's like, oh shit, like Paul's gone, so he like he like battles his way through the castle, and he Jason takes the was ass, and that's,
2: That was crazy. Was ass. Ass. <laughs> yeah. Slays three dudes and he's like,
1: he like he like three, three imperial troops. Like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Already he already steals that the helicopter. He makes
2: it's the other three two just two. run away.
1: Yeah, and then <laughs> no, and then he like he like he like steals the helicopter and then he like kills like five of their friends and he just screams at them, just "Get the fuck out of my way!" Yeah, and then he, and then he gives yeah. them a the helicopter and he just like mar- and he goes out. So he just
2: and then Paul and Jessica are kidnapped <laughs> and forced onto a helicopter with three. I think in the book there's Sarduker. They're,
0: they're Harkonnen's because the Sarduker can't Harkonnens. kill them.
2: That's right, and neither can the Harkonnen's technically. They're mm. supposed to be left in the desert because the off chance that they'll go up in front of a Bene Gesserit and they're asked, "Did you kill them?"
0: Because they said they like, have the Sarduker, the Baron didn't even tell the Sarduker where the where that Atreides family was. Remember, he like doesn't even let him in the rooms with the same guys. He's like, "I don't want anybody in the Imperium to know what's going on." Yeah, so it, they, oh yeah, I didn't
1: actually. They could have killed him, but they said no. they are gonna. What was it? We're gonna go up and get like a truth seeker, or truth suitor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they can't
2: technically Sarah. kill them, Ooh, um, which is cool.
1: But then that scene in the helicopters too, because it showcases the boys.
0: Yeah, and how powerful out- it is,
2: mm-hmm. and, and how and how you have to find the perfect pitch. I think it was cool. They showed mm-hmm. Paul messed up the first time, and he got like hit in the gut for it. And mm-hmm. I also thought it was cool because at the same time, it was cutting between that and Lato's final moments. Um, but I guess let's stick with the helicopter scene for a minute. So yeah, it shows the voice and how Jessica's gagged, but they don't think Paul can do it because he's a man and not a Bene at wish. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was a cool scene. She points out that one of them is deaf. So the voice- won't Which is on to purpose, yeah,
0: to, mm-hmm. just in case she got something off. Now,
2: if I remember correctly, this scene in the book is when Paul catches his first body.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, yes. Yeah. I, he doesn't see it quite that way as like self-defense versus fighting somebody, but it's mm-hmm. a big moment in the book because he does kill those guys.
2: I think in the movie, Jessica just kills them all, right?
0: Yeah, she threw the two guys at the helicopter and stabbed Yeah, him.
2: okay. <laughs> okay, and then cut over to Leto. He's being kind of gloated to by the Baron mm-hmm. Harkin who's sitting there eating food. He's like, what a nice kitchen you've got, cousin. And, and, then, um,
1: and then he floats <laughs> over to him. Yeah, he's pigging he, out, showing like, yeah. his
0: castle. Yeah,
1: and then he comes over to him and he's about to kill him. He has like a dagger. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, um the leader of House of Trades is kind of like, just whispering. He's like, What's up? What's up? <laughs> and, and then he blows. The thing is, I didn't know it because some of the dialogues are like quiet that I thought it would just kill him. It was kind of like a cyanide thing, but it mm-hmm. literally, he bit the tooth and the whole room was filled with poison gas and they immediately, yeah. died. like, everyone immediately died, basically.
0: And that's yeah, the same as what just, happens in the book. Yeah,
2: the Baron floated to the ceiling in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, he like hit in the ceiling by floating. Yeah. yeah, in the book, didn't he have he something shield in the in book? The book?
2: Yeah. yeah, that was that was a funny scene because you know the Baron's like this big bad, evil dude, and then he's like Got floating to the ceiling her. like someone like over a balloon. Yeah, that was a funny scene.
0: He kind of just uh, he, I know what happens in the book. Too. He kind of just like killed Yua. Uh, they're like, hey, all right, you're done being in the movie. Yeah. Boom. you know, which, which kind of sucked a little bit because it took away from a bit of his character. But I guess you know sacrifices had to be made. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the the B line
2: bad guy, the 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 B tier bad guy, Piter. Yeah, he dies in that dead scene. Now. and it just didn't feel like much. Yeah, it didn't feel like much in the book. Uh, harkening was like. He also kind of made it like, oh, whatever, I'll get a new mint hat. And he actually sets the sights on how it, how, how it Leto's Yeah, mint hat. which um, is
0: they might get into that in part two. That's definitely for possibly. possibly. yeah.
1: Kind of touching Next on though. that,
0: the one scene I thought they were missing from this big the big action sequence where Leto dies. Um, and I thought it was kind of this was maybe my one of my greats me because it was probably I thought it'd be the best opportunity to introduce the Fremen fighting. I do remember Hawit, the Dementat. he actually makes it out of the city. <clears throat> There's a scene in the book where he's on a sand ridge and the Sardauker are coming in. And as their dropship lands, like, Freeman come out of the sand and mm-hmm. just fuck them up. Uh, Freeman, like, suicide crashes a plane into one of their, uh, um, like, landing ships. And Hawit's like, what the fuck? Like, because it's the first time you see them fight and they wipe out, like, a legion of these guys coming in. And I thought that would have been maybe a really good introduction for the Fremen of holy crap, they can go toe-toe with these guys. Unfortunately it got cut because, you know, again, limited time, but that was the one scene I was, because this kind of would show the outside of the city too. maybe see a larger view of the battle. And I guess they opted to take more of the route of showing um, uh, Duncan Idaho's path through the fight instead, which I guess made more sense because he had more of a forefront role in this movie. But I felt that was the one scene that I was a little excited to see that I felt was missing from the battle. Right, but so they do sadly showcase we're getting on, super
2: like, pressed for time <laughs>
0: yeah
2: <laughs> not super pressed for time we should just speed up uh so yeah, one, my know. biggest miss no. with this movie and this is like a whole pacing thing and this is this is probably my hottest take okay and i just want to stop this. so next up they go to the they go to uh Kynes's, um like bio lab you yeah. can call it where she is growing plants and she shares her idea to to fix Arrakis, to make mm-hmm. it not a desert planet anymore, to make it more hospitable, and then the next thing you know, the Sardarca are there, are there um, and they come in and they kill Duncan Idaho. Very sadly, it was a cool fight scene. Oh yeah, um, and he the, has like the sword in him. Racism,
1: the Fremen's like fighting because like <clears throat> they're making co- they're making spit coffee. So and then like the yeah. Imperial people come in and they're just like and they just disappear. And the Imperial people are trying to find Paul
0: and they just pop out of the sand and start murdering them. Yeah, and that was really cool. I think that, yeah, that kind of really substituted cool. for the scene I was talking about. I think yeah. they did a really good job with that.
2: It was definitely a cool action set piece, and it's a very important part of the overarching plot of Dune. is just the, the idea that Arrakis can be made hospitable and Paul says this really important line where he's like, you need to testify. This is what all the mm. Great Houses fear. You need to testify for me because that was a big thing that was paul's big idea is that he was gonna get all the great houses to denounce the emperor and make himself emperor he has this idea at the time
0: and then then when he's emperor he wants to save
2: arrakis but i think this could have been done differently um i think this is one of those scenes in the movie that like as cool as it is it's a cool action sequence it is vital it is very important i just i wish it could have been done differently because here's the thing they get in the helicopter they touch the sand. Duncan picks them up, brings them here, and then they just get back in a helicopter. Essentially, it's like a probably like a thirty-minute segment where like I just feel like they could have ridden around it. Personally,
0: Do you think they should have
2: not gone to Keys Lab at all? I think they should <clears> have not gone to Keys Lab at all. I think they should have <throat> gotten the helicopter and from the uh, from their kidnappers, Paul and Jessica, and then flown into the storm like straight up okay. from there. And I get that that doesn't show a lot of shit but i think the bio the biolab stuff like the idea of making arrakis green could have been shown elsewhere and i think duncan idaho's death could have just been see that's that's where it becomes a tough thing but i think you could have saved 30 minutes and put in different scenes by just like establishing all the stuff that happens at that place in other spots of the movie
0: yeah, they were on a bit of a time crunch. One thing I wanted to touch on in this scene, and Kerwin, I wanted to know your opinion on it too, because uh, Jacob asked me about this watching with me. Um, they bring a laser in. Remember, they're cutting the door. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And and Jacob asked me like, after me, he said, so why does everybody not just use those? He was like, Yeah, you know, they can go through metal. Like, why is why are there not guys walking around with lasers? And in the book, they do specifically mention that the lasers are dangerous because if they hit a shield it causes like a localized nuclear explosion so <laughs> no one uses like combat lasers um because it's so dangerous but they didn't explicitly say that so i just wanted to touch on that because i could see if you if you didn't know you might be well, like it's kind of weird no one's using that
1: yeah like my brother said it was cool too but he didn't really say that it was like it was like a
0: problem you know he mm-hmm. was like oh it's yeah yeah cool. Jacob didn't think it was a problem. He just asked me. He was like, it seemed kind of weird. He's like, did they, did they ever mention that I was like, oh, well, there's this reason that they don't use all. Of that. Yeah, so he was of like, just like, that seemed yeah, really cool. Why no, why was no one using that? Yeah,
1: I kind of just assumed it was like a shield thing. Mm-hmm. Cause like you I can't, guess that's fair. You can't kill like projectiles, I guess. I don't know. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my thinking.
2: That was another big thing they didn't really establish is that when they attacked um the city, they used traditional mortars in the books. It was just like they just used mortars.
0: You know, I expected them to cut that, though, because they can't go too much into it. Yeah, they it.
2: can't go... That's that's the thing is they can't go too much into, like, how the actual combat works and
0: the, uh, the house nuclears aren't mentioned. Yeah, they were missing the house. So every great house does have nuclear arms, but you can't use them or else everybody will show up and fuck up your planet because it's, like, completely against the Imperium law and they enforce it for, um uh, like, to keep the balance of power. They do mention, though, everyone stockpiles them just in case. And those might be important for part two <laughs> so they uh they need to like it needs to be at least mentioned because it comes up a lot in part two
2: so kines leaves them with the with the thorna i think is what they call them mm. uh paul and jessica and they get in it and, and they, they to fly storm. off towards a storm to to escape and they have they're being tailed by like three other omnitopters, doctors whatever they're called mm. and they fly into the storm and the three other dudes like are like fuck that because the storms can actually shred up metal. So I think they shoot rockets after him, and yep. then it cuts over all the while to Kynes' last moments where she is calling a worm. And I think it's really cool that they they hint at worm riding.
0: Yeah, a yes.
2: lot in this movie. They hint at it a lot. So it
1: hinted at that you see a person. Then they, they do show weird. it. At the you see it end.
2: at the very end of the movie, but in the in the book, it's like not. It kind of just in the comes just out. sort of happens. Yeah. So I just liked how this movie hints at it a That's lot. So she power, pulls baby. out her hooks. yeah, gets the <laughs> thumper that. going. And then she gets stabbed and mm-hmm. um her thumper gets turned off, so she starts banging with her fists, and the worm comes up. And Takes in, in the book, uh kinds just kind of dies of dehydration in the desert, mm-hmm. right? Like heat heat exhaustion. So it's another cool, like kinds loved love the desert of Arrakis, and mm-hmm. she gave herself to it, so that's a cool ending for yeah, her. Yeah, I thought character. it was
0: better than the book Death. I thought mm-hmm. Kynes um, was the character was the most changed, and, and I thought, I, I liked this Kynes, I liked movie Kynes, and I thought the ending for her was better than the book, I thought it was a little bit more of a love letter to the character than just dying of dehydration in the desert. Yeah, for
2: sure. Um. So fast forward, there in the storm, and he sees, this is so fucking cool, he sees Jamis, the Fremen, in a vision, because the overwhelming amount of spice in the storm and mm. uh jamas is teaching him how to ride the worm if i'm correct and yep. he's like you just have to go with the flow basically you have to go mm. with the flow of the desert and you see the sand pounding and all these cool visuals and uh paul turns off the copter and just lets it spin and that was yeah. a cool scene in the book and eventually they get out basically unscathed the the copters a little messed up they have to crash land basically yeah he skids it
0: down
1: yeah the funny thing i found about the movie was like (laughs) i don't know if you guys noticed this but like the harkonnens they say everything kilometers and then the uh tradies they say everything feet
0: oh do they know so it's like magic material it's really funny though because like
1: the the sandstorm is like they're chasing him to the sandstorm and they're like it's 800 kilometers per hour and then like earlier in the movie like them the, they talk about the worms and the Atreides use like, oh, they're like 400 feet long. <laughs> so That's I think, awesome. That's funny because I think, tra- I think awesome because tra- I supposed to be America. Or maybe there's Liberia. a way to read know. the
2: book where <laughs> it's Afghanistan is. and the Atreides are the Americans and the Harkins are the Russians. I think that's uh, one of the interpretations of the book. Yeah, so the Atreides are funny. definitely,
1: <laughs> well, what about the countries that use of Imperial, like Liberia? America. <laughs> it's like us, Liberia, and <laughs> Myanmar. Yeah. that's it. I don't know how thought, they. Yeah, I thought that, that was funny. They use they use imperial.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a cool that's a cool little detail though. I like that. Yeah, I, I didn't like, catch that's
2: that. Funny. That's a cool detail.
0: Um, so, so, so they, they go. Uh, um, he spends a little desert. bit of time in the desert in the tent.
2: Yeah, and the, the real big fish. Okay, that one was one of the has, best movies. That's the best scene in the whole movie. One of the best hands down that shit uh i hate to sound like a nerd that shit gave me chills like i was sitting there like <laughs> i was trying not to show it because like, sophie's like on her phone uninterested and i'm like
1: uh, it's the,
2: it's you're, the, you're the terrible out, purpose dude. it's the fucking the holy war yeah. you No, know, like, he's
1: dude. like i don't want to be like a, a religious fanatic leader because everything because all the fremen think of it. it's like a messiah and he's like mom why'd you make me into this weird religious fanatic freak
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool. Then that, that's uh, my, my highlight in the in my notes. I wrote some talking points. One of my highlights is just the vision and then yells at Jessica. He's like, you made me a freak. Like, mm-hmm. I, that, that was just so cool to see. I love how they handled the visions across like the entirety of the movie. Every mm-hmm. vision was so cool. It cut to the Chris knife. It cut to Chani. It cut to the people yelling Atreides yeah. and just murdering. The one thing, the one thing is that first scene where Paul is, um, you see, like, the super soldier just killing people, and then he Mm. cuts, and the fucking Iron Man face mask slides up, and it's (laughs) Timothy Chamele making the most uninterested face I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was was all over the trailers.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I, I... even in the trailers i was like that just looks weird <laughs> like that doesn't look good like i don't know <laughs> but that was such a cool sequence um
1: so then they and to kill the women, right
2: yeah to go forward for time um this part of the book was such a lull for me when they when they find the grass on the other side of the of the valley you remember in in the book it they they camp out for the night there or yeah. they camp out for the day there and that part was such a roll. and then because they like lose their pack and they have to find it in the sand and i didn't care for it in the book but i like how they skipped that in the movie and they just go straight to doing yeah the, i didn't uh, have
0: time to do all that the sand uh,
2: which was pretty cool and i think does he see is teach him that too in a vision the mm-hmm. sandwalk yeah so uh, the interesting thing is and i guess it doesn't matter how much out of order we go he ends up killing jamas in the end
0: yeah so those visions um, never happen
2: yeah, so Which that shows cool. again how his uh, visions aren't always correct. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important. Like he learns a lot from Jamis, not only in defeating him in battle, but in um in part two, the the death of Jamis is so it's very impactful, impactful, impactful. onto him. His life makes him. He really quickly has to learn so much about the Fremen culture. So I think it's really cool that they showed Jamis teaching him and his visions. So they cross across the uh, big valley of sand. Well,
1: actually, let's let's talk about the fight where he where he kills them. Yeah, Tim yeah. Rishon, yeah.
0: When the Freemen kind of ambush them, um, yeah, you really Jessica get, like, is it. able to take Stilgar prisoner, which means a lot in Fremen culture because she's the strongest. And then Yama's kind of challenges Paul because he's not down for all of this. And they have sort of the, I guess, climax of the film duel right before the ending. Yeah, that one was. Uh, really what do you guys think of that? I thought it was really uh, good. I like, liked it. Yeah. And they were
1: and before that they were gonna be like, oh yeah, we're gonna take it you for your moisture. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, and that's
1: so crazy. It, it kind of shows how like and Javier Bardem's really good because half the scene, he just like he only mutters like a sentence or two. It kind of shows like the Fremen culture they're yeah, they don't really they don't really speak much, they're all about action.
2: He's very stoic.
1: Yeah, he's very stoic, yeah. So he um so he's like he comes in and then Paul kind of like disrespects the other guy because he like beats him kind of like in a battle and takes his pistol and stuff. And then so we, they fight, and that fight is like amazing. Like the guys, that guy is scary. Like what, what was his name?
2: Yeah, John. Thomas.
1: Yeah. So they, they like he, they like fight right, and then Paul gets the best of them, and he's like, "Do you yield?" And he's like, "And Javier Bardem just grunts." He's like, "That's not how it works." Yeah, yeah and, and then, it's
2: important. He's like, "Is he toying with him?"
1: Yeah, and he's like, "No, he's never." And then Jessica says, "Oh, he's never killed a guy before." Basically. So this is, like, yeah. Paul's, like, turning point where he...
0: Yeah, it's a big he, moment for him.
1: So he kills his first person. It's and
2: in entered, his visions,
1: he, into hears, yeah.
2: he hears a female voice, which is important for the Bene Gesserit, like, DNA sequencing mm. show, uh telling him, like, Quisash Haderach. Yeah. you Paul Atreides must die so the Quisash Haderach can be born. And then it's, like, when you kill one, you take your own life. And, yeah, so it's, it's very... Uh, character building for paul yeah, to kill so, him and he kind of accepts his terrible purpose right there so yeah he,
1: he yeah he bests the guy like four times and eventually kills him because mm-hmm. he realizes that's what he needs to do or he's gonna because in the vision he actually dies he actually gets killed by him so i think he's informed by his vision so he's like oh, i guess i have to kill this guy or i'm gonna get killed by him yeah and then that's a big turn and then afterwards he says um his mother's like okay like bring us off world and, and paul's like that ain't gonna happen, mother. Yeah, my my father came yeah. here because of desert power. I'm staying. I'm staying because of desert power. You're my clan now. We're gonna we're gonna fuck up the people. It's kind
0: of home. this big shift from like where he was like, well, we're gonna go. You know, we'll get the Imperium on our side. We'll get the families. So now it's like, nah. I think I think we got a different. Because yeah, he realizes
1: how powerful he is. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. I just killed this Fremen guy. I'm part of the Fremen clan. These people are like powerful. I mean, that's the only thing he could do because he can't like politics. Because it's like uh, the ecologist said before. is like, who are you? Like your whole clan's dead. Yeah. Like you yeah. Can't really do anything, so he he kind of takes a big turn, and then the movie ends with him looking at the desert power. The sand. Someone's around the sandworm. He's like, "Oh, all right." He's like, "That's what desert
2: power is." Yeah. Um, I just want to touch on a few things here. I think Zendaya as Chani. I think she did really good for the brief amount that she was actually in it, and not just in the visions for when she was her actual character, and she like. Because in the book, Chani was very skeptical of Paul when they first met, and mm-hmm. she really did a good job conveying that, like, all throughout facial, feature, like, facial yeah, expressions. Yeah, I think and,
0: she even tells him, like, hey, uh, you know, die with some respect out there. Like, I think you're going to die, but hopefully you do it right. Because yeah. you know, she only speaks, like, a sentence in the movie. I yeah, think did unfortunately, a really she's just that. not that important for the section of the story mm-hmm. they picked. She'll be hugely important in part two, but I know she was a bigger part of the marketing, obviously, because she's very well known. I, again, I think she did a good job what she was in, mm-hmm. but, you know, unfortunately, just where they chose to cut this off, she, she wasn't going to be in it very much.
2: Yeah, and um, they they mentioned that Jessica fights with the weirding way, which is like the way the Bene Gesserit fights, and that's another reason like the Fremen are these crazy fighters. They can take down the this, this Sardaukir like, no problem. It, but Paul can still best them. Jess can still best them. It's because they <laughs> know how to use the weirding way of the Bene Gesserit.
1: Because they're half so, man. Let's go. <laughs>
2: that's another just, like, Paul, like, kind of being, like, a superhero, yeah, the chosen one, whatnot. Like, he's an incredibly skilled fighter. He has his own unique fighting style so to speak
0: yeah he's supposed to be like the cross between them. he's got the bene jezeria which is unique he's got the atreides he's had like duncan train him so much so he kind of is like the crossroads of two really powerful things That's kind of what makes him at least in the book that's what makes him so uh strong when he fights these guys
2: yeah so i just want to say this episode of the podcast our premiere episode ran pretty long this is probably not gonna be a normal length I don't know how long we were in here but I think what it was, was our uh, do you have our
0: time you we're at
2: <laughs> I don't have our time I just know it was over an hour um so let's wrap things up by mm. just overall impressions of the movie I mean so I watched it on HBO Max at home Joe you watched it in a normal movie theater and Kerwin, yep. you saw it in
1: IMAX I saw it in IMAX
2: I think I'm gonna go see it in IMAX eventually. I just couldn't find anyone to get out to the theaters with me this weekend.
1: It's so, so overall impressions.
2: I mean, it's worth think, seeing it in IMAX.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we should do it like DJ Academic, kind of like the DJ Academic's like Instagram account. Hot or drop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah all right. hot or drop. Yeah. Is this new Dune single hot or drop?
0: <laughs> I, I'd, uh, I'd yeah, have to I say this hot. would be a, this would be certified hot for me. Yeah, this certified hot. This is certified. I would recommend to any, anyone go see this movie in a theater. Well, it is making its theater run. It is the, just the sound design and the visuals are it, you're going to get so much more out of it from the big screen and from all the professional sound equipment that that justifies the ticket price. You, you don't, this is not a movie you need to be drunk to have fun in. This is like a really good, not even like necessarily high art. Like this is just a fun movie to go watch for anybody. I wouldn't be intimidated by the time. I think it's completely worth it. Don't be intimidated by the lore. Don't be intimidated by the time. Anyone can go into this. I think I think most people are going to have a great time. And Jacob, who I saw it with, had the same thing. We both agreed this was, again, certified hot. This is our movie certified of the year, hot. both of us, that we've seen. I, I thought really this was good. incredible. This met my expectations as someone who's read the book, as a fan of sci-fi. I, I thought this was great. I honestly recommend everyone, if you have the chance, and if the theater is open near you, go and see this movie in theaters if you have the chance. Definitely.
2: Another note, on, as someone who read the book, the first time I watched I watched it like twice. The first time I watched it, I watched it with my with my big headphones on sitting right up front of the TV trying to replicate IMAX. And just every line of dialogue, like there's so many that are straight from the book. Like it is so crazy. I cannot recommend like reading the book. And if you've seen the movie, then go read the book. book. You'll know some of the terms and some of the terminology. It won't be that hard of a read. Kerwin, your impressions?
1: Oh, I think it's certified hot. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't know who your top five is, but uh, my top five: Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho, <laughs> Duncan Idaho, Duncan <laughs> Idaho, Duncan Idaho. <laughs> Love that, man.
2: All right. Um. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get another one of these out next week. Um. In the meantime, I'm excited to hopefully get a better format down for the series it's just something we're gonna have to iron out by doing episode after episode um
1: it's all uphill from here i definitely think the the next movie since there's no book is gonna be way shorter so
2: (laughs) yeah the next movie since we're not gonna be nerds because we're not gonna we're not not gonna be like
1: oh well in the book um captain america did x and o and y (laughs) yeah you know what i'm saying Yeah. yeah
2: actually actually i've read every uh eternals comic book so Whenever we do the Eternals (laughs) review, expect three hours of
0: lore. I don't know if you guys can get me (laughs) out to a theater to see that. I don't know. I don't know if that can happen. I might be going off the wiki. Joe, have you seen the character names?
1: Like the character names are just like Sprite, Jingo Bingo. Okay, I'm going
2: to shut down the recording. Uh, Thanks for listening. (laughs) Anyone who did this all the way through, thank you for listening.